Hello, hello. I am just popping in to let you know that this episode has a lot of background noise, uh, including dogs, lawnmowers, replaced battery alarm noises, etc. So if you're like me and sometimes too much background noise is distracting, I apologize in advance. Um, but yeah, and with that out of the way, here is Christine's story. Bro. Okay, role. I'm recording. Gonna... Um, welcome to Cafe with Strangers, and that lovely breathing in the background is our lovely friend Groot. And if you hear him, if you hear that noise, that is it. But anyways, um, <laughs> uh, starting off um, a little... Did I ever have you listen to the introduction trailer thing? You okay, perfect. That. So this is going to work as a... This is going to work... As a recap, there we go. Okay, so basically, and I, I did tell you a little bit about this when we were talking and, you know, when I asked you about this, um, I, growing up, I don't feel like I had an idea of what to do when, like, both being American and Mexican kind of came together, like, the culture clashes, and so there's, like, a lot of things I felt like I was al alone with, so I decided to basically do this so I can talk with other people and share experiences, um, share traumas, and uh, <laughs> kind of just get to know other people and then also gets me allows me to like learn about other latin american countries so that is a very dirty description of that um anyways okay now introducing my guest christine hello welcome hi that was so quiet she said hi all right um so yeah when i asked you about participating about this you told me that you were from el salvador in guatemala yep right yep. okay um tell me a little bit about you and your family so my mom was 16 when she officially left Guatemala. Mm -hmm. um, she ended up here in, in, well, in Los Angeles, so not here in Washington, but over there, where she ultimately um, found my older sister's father and fell in love with him, and you know, it's the, the whole toxic like machismo thing again. Mm -hmm. Where the man like makes the money, you know, and expects the wife to be cooking, to be cleaning, taking care of the kid, and yeah. running errands, and um, he, uh, you know, now as we identify it as toxic, is what he was, but in, in, in that time it was more normal for the man to, you know, be the cheater and, and sleep with many women and have that type of relationship with his wife. So then my mom decided to leave him. In turn, meeting my my brother's father, um, where he is from El Salvador too, and um, it kind of cycled through. And then she met my father, mm -hmm. um, but the story started changing when my father actually treated her like she was the princess that she was, Aww. and took you know her other two kids in and treated them as his. Um, but he was also. A very toxic um, <laughs> person and uh, ultimately ended up breaking my mom's heart by cheating on her as well um, so she kind of traveled through and ended up here in, in Los Angeles and then ultimately here in Washington mm -hmm. where we lived and then my father kind of same ordeal I don't know what time or what point in his life he really ran away from El Salvador but mm -hmm. he ended up in LA too um, and through all that, had three other kids, um, all girls, all four girls. It's his punishment. <laughs> um, so he ended up also in L.A. and where he met my mom and then ultimately got a job offer out here 
So that's what led him out here. And uh, my mom followed him because she didn't want to go through the same cycle of not having um, a kid. <laughs> oh my God. I'm not having a kid with a father. Um, she was tired of that and she just wanted to fulfill and, and uh, have like, I guess, the illusion of having that happy marriage of at least one kid having a father. So that's how they came to be and then my sister, brother, and I are like kind of the first family members to be here in the U.S. First generation. Yep. Okay. Yep, yep. That's how that went. <laughs> I'm curious to know how like both those cultures integrate into your household. Um, your mom is from Guatemala then? Yep. Is it <laughs> the dogs are a little distract not distracting distracting in a good way. Growing up in your household, how did your two cultures integrate and do you feel connected more to one or the other? So this is a little tricky because since my mom did leave at a very young age and when she ended up in LA she had met um her I guess her savior and who she would consider to be her mom mm -hmm. so not just by birth but in, in general and the way that she raised her and taught her things and passed down information she felt like that was her mom. Hey. <laughs> so my mom this woman was Cuban mm -hmm. so my mom inherited a lot of her Cuban tendencies ah. so a lot of her cooking a lot of her like rituals a lot of her like hold on Come here, buddy. All right, so your mom was practically raised by a Cuban woman. Okay. So a lot of her knowledge and a lot of her, like, at-home remedies or cooking or just, um, I guess, what formed her morals yeah. was that Cuban, you know, woman. Okay. The Cuban love, the Cuban way of, of living of, you know, hey, shit happens, forget it, just love the day. You know, um, which I can concur traveling to Cuba. That's how a lot of them are because they're, you know, they don't have everything they have here. Mm -hmm. And going my first time, actually, like, it was a cultural shock. Mm -hmm. It was like, holy shit. How old are you when you first went to Cuba? I was 18. Okay. I was 18. And it hit me hard. Really? It hit me hard. I was like, holy shit. Because when I landed, I, I, I only had pictures, you know, from yeah. my mom of when she would go. And I was like, damn, that's beautiful. But when I touch dirt there, it's like, holy shit. Like there's, you know, their airports are completely opened. They have dirt in them because they haven't oh. been completely constructed. So they're constructed to the point where they're functional mm -hmm. and maintained okay. there. But it was it was so mind-boggling, and it, it also, like, it, it touched my heart. So my first time there, if I can remember correctly, I, I'm pretty sure I cried because I was like, holy crap. Wow. Like, you know, this is what love feels like. You know, this is this is a country where, uh, like, my heart felt good. Okay. So I don't know if it was a sense of, like, being home because of mom mm -hmm. and how she made home feel. Um, but on that part of things, I was, I was raised with more... Um, multicultural so my mom was the type of woman or is sorry the type of woman to kind of learn from everybody so she has a lot of like um like uh, cooking skills that come from like uh cuba or from mexico or you know from mm -hmm. um chile because she's had all these multiple friends that she just learns things from yeah 
So on her side of things, I, I always feel like it's a mix of what I am. Yeah. But then on my my father's side, he's he's more of the true like you know Salvadorian, where you know like I eat pupusas and that's like my favorite fucking food. <laughs> it's like if there's anything I can eat every day is probably a damn pupusa. Yeah. You know, and but because he wasn't in my life enough for me to fully understand my culture, I I really don't know on that side. Has growing up the way that you did with all these combination of cultures, do you, did you ever question your identity, your cultural identity, and did it ever like did it ever affect you? It did. Um, I think it was probably <laughs> okay. That one was Jasmine. <laughs> anyway. So it actually started when my parents got divorced. Mm -hmm. Um, I was six years old and I was in elementary school and it took a turn. I was stubborn. I didn't want to learn. I didn't because I didn't comprehend what was going on. I just knew that my parents were done. I had no more dad. And in the time, I was living in a more um, white prevalent area. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was rough because any of the kids that were even slightly different colored um, were, you know, kind of looked down upon mm-hmm. by the other students. Yeah. It was a lot of bullying. It was a lot of, um, come here. It was a lot of, um, like, degrading. Yeah. And because I wasn't, like, sure of my emotions between my, like, internal life and, and family, on the side of it, I was being teased at school because I looked different. Because I had brown curly hair. Because mm-hmm. I had freckles. Or because, um... Good! Or because Good. my mom had a thick accent. Mm. And nobody could understand her. And it was it was the most ridiculous, you know, stuff that I can see now. And being like, damn, you guys were assholes for that. Jasmine. <laughs> you know? And it's like... It, I don't know if, if, you know, the kids back then weren't very cultured or if they weren't, you know, being raised with that diversity of friends, but it, it was really rough. Um, and that didn't change up until high school for me, where um, being Hispanic was a big thing now. Yeah. You know, when, when that awkward time and space fucking occurred and it's like what the fuck <laughs> wait how you old know? are you again you're a couple years younger than me i'm 22 bitch what <laughs> i'm a baby <laughs> i am i'm a baby why did i think you were like 23 24 um because life's hard <laughs> oh damn okay anyway um so then you graduate 22 I'm twenty. I graduated in twenty. You're turning twenty three. Yep, in September. You're a ninety nine baby. I am. Wow, I'm I right in the nick of time. <laughs> wow. Okay, so then, do you consider yourself a millennial or Gen Z? Technically, by fucking Google's, you you're know, Gen Z. I'm Gen Z. Yeah. Before they changed the dates. Yeah. Because if they wouldn't have changed the dates, then technically a millennial. Okay. But because um, you know, I, I I live on my own with you know my boyfriend and my mom's out of state and yeah. my brother's out of state 
um, like half my family is out of state, I feel like I'm I'm suffering with the same group. The millennial. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I feel like I have more relation to that than to the Gen Z where it's like, yeah. still, you know, kind of living at home with mom. Uh, yeah. You know, some, not all, but most of them. Yeah. Because of, you know, inflation and, and stupid money, um, they're still living at home. So I feel like I suffer with you guys yeah. with you know your group of people yeah and it, you know shit sucks yeah um okay yeah. anyways so what what were, what were you saying um suffering uh, school how school. kid childhood oh yeah yourself. yeah you were talking about until yes. you were in your so college. i would shame myself for not you know essentially being white Mm-hmm. because i wasn't one of them i was you know looked as like what the fuck right and it like I, I would come home several times you know crying um whether my my mom knew it or not of uh, being bullied and at some point i just i really broke down i was like mom this is going on mm-hmm. and you know typical mom upset with me because i didn't tell her before mm-hmm. um but it you know it kind of got handled in in the manner of students you know having a conversation and that was it mm-hmm. you know it, it never changed it was always like I was different and you know it wasn't just me it was you know the other students as well so having to grow up with that and then moving cities where there's a lot more diversity um, it kind of changed my perspective on on how things should go Mm -hmm. Um, so the next city that I stopped in there was a lot more diversity and um, people were being treated, you know, appropriately. You know, there wasn't as much name calling. There wasn't as much as, you know, that, that sort of criticism mm-hmm. on, on how you live or what your family's like. Um, and then, because my mom owned a house in one area, we kind of flip flopped. So mm-hmm. I would go between cities, and it would kind of, it would build me, and then it would crush me. It would build me, and then crush me. Because it's like when I was in, you know, the more less diverse place, it's like I was different mm-hmm. and I was out of place. Despite there being other Hispanics, mm-hmm. it was it was almost like the term whitewashed is how it ended that. up being. Yeah, I know? get that. And then you just feel out of place because you're so used to being yourself and finding your people and being happy to a place where it's like more... I guess quote unquote like structural, you know. So that's that's kind of how I went, and then eventually through high school and finding myself and finding more of my kind. <laughs> as bad as that sounds, um, people you relate to, yeah, your kind people you relate to, yeah, and you know, and that's when things started to kind of get nice, and then I started being happier that I was Hispanic and taking more into my roots and learning to speak more Spanish because you don't fucking use it that often, mm-hmm. you know? And the more I, I learned about my culture and, and, and everything, it's like, we don't do anything here in the U.S., you know? There's no, like, I don't know, it's nothing. If you go to another, like, country, they have a whole, like, culture and everybody's into it and they're excited and they're happy and mm-hmm. they believe in everything, you know? And then you come here and it's like, what the hell? So what, what do you guys do? It's like, you know. <laughs> That kind of makes me 
I guess it kind of makes a little bit more sense to me now why when you got to Cuba at 18 and you cried and just in that little aspect, that little piece of information, I can see that and I understand that. And so I'm just like, oh, because I can imagine <laughs> like how you felt and you know, I can imagine how you felt. It's like, <laughs> it's like, it's hard to explain because it's just a feeling you have to feel. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, belonging somewhere, you know, that you, you've you wanted to belong to. It's like that job that you've always fucking wanted and they finally hire you and you're like, yes, you mm -hmm. know. It's, it's kind of that feeling where it's like, you, you know, you're, you're meant to be here. <laughs> God. Currently being smothered by dogs. <laughs> oh this is a ridiculous so one of the things that, um okay what oh things are falling everything's okay okay so Cuba's the only place you've gone to have you ever gone to Guatemala or El Salvador I've not I've been to Panama oh um I went there recently to go visit my grandpa he, grandpa lives there he lives out there and he has a couple um farmlands uh-huh and he is the only uh the only distributor of, of avocados what uh-huh He's the only distributor of avocados in like his general area. He is the only man that knows how to plant and successfully grow a avocado tree that sprouts beautiful fucking avocados in his in his general vicinity. Yes, like this man is wow consistently like on business because people are calling him up to buy like kilos of fucking okay, what's up avocados. <laughs> So, we went to visit him, but he's, you know, he's super sick. He really, <laughs> oh, you? and um, it was, it was the same thing where, like, I landed and it was like, damn, like, you know, like, I, I really like this tropical life, this tropical way of being and, and yeah. everything and how natural it is and how people, you know, kind of divert to more natural remedies for life. And it's like, whoa, hold on. <laughs> You know, was I born in the wrong place? Was, you know, do I have to now consider possibly moving out of the country to ultimately be happy? Oh, my God. Okay, so <laughs> literally going off of that, I I think I understand what you're talking about, that feeling when you got to Cuba. Something, I don't know, because I had been almost 10 years since I had been to Mexico when I went last year. And mm -hmm. I don't know if it was because it was that long since mm -hmm. I stepped foot out of the country or if it was just that feeling again of stepping onto not just my homeland but a place kind of what you were describing and i i literally have been telling myself like i'm considering moving to mexico after my lease is up for a couple oh, of months because i i've gotten to a point where like the hustle and bustle of this life it's exhausting it's exhausting i feel and like i'm 80. <laughs> Bitch, I thought you were older and you're, you're you know, right. like just exactly. not myself. I thought about it because the hustle and bustle is just, I, I wanted it because that's what I thought I wanted. And now in this past year, I've come to realize I don't want that. Mm -hmm. I, I want to go to Mexico. I want to feel more connected to my roots. I want to travel within Mexico. I want to travel to, yep. um, to Central America too. Yep. Like I did not realize Guatemala was so close to Mexico. 
And it's not that I didn't know. I just never actively paid attention. Because well, it's hard to. You're always fucking working or stressing about. And what's you don't going really learn that, like those things at school too much no, and everything. No. So like just you I'm saying that. You that shit. <laughs> yeah, like you saying that. I'm just like, dude, dude, like, dude. Like I literally am considering this. Very, I don't even know how long I'd stay there. I mean, I've, my I've plan literally is, but like, planned this out with Jesus. I'm yeah. like, hey, like, if I were to throw on the table, let's move out of the country, I have everything planned out, would you do it? Mm-hmm. And there's moments that, you know, he hesitates because family, you yeah. know, and it's super hard and it's everything that you got to think about, but shit. Like, ugh. <laughs> I actually want to talk a little bit of, <laughs> um, about you and Jesus. So Jesus is Mexican. Mexican. Okay. Yes. Um, how have sure. your cultures, <clears throat> you guys have been living together for like, a little bit, right? Some time now? Almost two years. Almost two years. Okay. How have your cultures integrated and how have you guys kind of, yeah, how has your relationship grown in terms of that and <laughs> you're making a funny face. Not funny face, but you're making a face. <laughs> so, um, before this relationship, I was um, with, I could say, someone more Americanized. Um, somebody who didn't really have a culture and, you know, somebody who would kind of not look down upon mine, but would look at it like it's extra because they weren't raised with, you know, culture or with kind of a way of being. You know, how like Hispanics, we, we joke around a lot about, you know, being woken up at seven in the morning on Saturdays to come out. Oh, house yes. Because it was a thing. Right? Yes. Well, he didn't have stuff like that. Yeah. So it was weird to him. But for me, it's completely normal because, hey, it's been like that since I could remember. Yeah. Right. And um, I knew like it kind of sucks because after my trip to Cuba, we had the breakup mm-hmm. because it was just so impactful that I was like, I don't want to be with someone who doesn't have a culture. Yeah, I get and that. And I, you know, came to that and, and, you know, ultimately ended our relationship. And I knew that I wanted somebody who had some sort of culture, who spoke Spanish and could communicate with my mom without me feeling fucking weird, you know? Without her struggling to speak English to to create a bond with you, I just want it natural. I get that. So um, that's kind of what I had my mindset on for you know the next time, yeah. whenever that would be. And then that's when Jesus kind of swooped in, and he has almost full Mexican. Okay, hold on, hold on, that. I love you guys, but you're being a little, a little. <laughs> being dramatic. A little loud. Can I have that? Can I have that? It's like, now you gotta fight for it. Girl, can I have it? <laughs> then Jesus came into the picture. Yes. Yes. So, um, instantly, I, I, you know, you, you check your boxes off the list. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, he's Hispanic. Okay, he speaks Spanish, fluent um, Spanish. And at the time, more fluent than I did. Mm. So it was a bit challenging because, you know, I I then had that feeling of like, oh, like, oh, you know, what kind of Hispanic, a true Hispanic doesn't speak Spanish, right? <laughs> so that's kind of what I put myself as. Um, but with time, I practiced and I spoke more. And his mom, that's kind of where I got a little slightly insecure is his mom mainly speaks Spanish. Mm-hmm. And she's like fast with it. Oh, so I'm like, <laughs> oh shit! I gotta, you know, get all my shit so I can have a conversation and build a relationship with his mom. Mm-hmm. So I started to speak more Spanish with him, and and kind of, you know, we helped each other in that sense. And where his sense of like, um, 
morals and stuff. His respect for my religion mm. is what really um, kind of made him, you know, like my my man. Mm -hmm. Because my previous one didn't respect anything that I had to do or, or I felt was important to me. Mm -hmm. So for him to respect that and for him to be like, hey, do your thing, like I understand. Or like even understand what I'm telling him or be invested in the conversation is is was more than enough to be like cool you know like this, this is somebody I can consider you know actually having a, a family with potentially mm -hmm. you know so it's it's nice to um, even to this day um, I was making beans, you know, oh, from yeah. scratch. Yeah. Not canned beans, you know? <laughs> and I was like, hey, I'm going to make them the way my mom showed me to make these. Mm -hmm. Let me know if you like it or not. And as he he was sitting here on the couch and he was yelling at me, or not yelling at me, but to me, like the ingredients that his mom would use, and it was practically identical. Mm -hmm. So like, I came around the corner. I was like, that's everything I just used. Mm -hmm. And then it like kind of clicked to me that like something as simple as beans and like the tradition of making them can be carried on so fucking far mm -hmm. that it was just like mind boggling because I was taught like this and my mom would always say, oh, like this is how I make beans. Yeah. But it's the exact same way, you know, someone from a Mexican culture makes beans. Mm -hmm. So it was it was just mind boggling to think that it was, you know, identical yet completely different yeah at the same time mm -hmm. i totally get that yeah. <laughs> i totally get that um so i was kind of in the same boat i'm just gonna like a little side story about me my ex ex was white and i i grew up in like idaho for a couple of years so i think that's why i got like i have a thing for like white boys in a sense not like white 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 boys but like white boys um because I'm currently dating someone who's a white boy. So I'm just like, oh, man. Yeah, like, <laughs> but I'm like, no, he's, he's, really, he's, really, no, he's really cool, though. So I'm like, you, you, you're you, okay. You're, you're okay. Um, but he was, his grandparents were 100% uh, Irish, Portuguese, Armenian, and Italian. And so, but he's a white boy. He's a fucking white boy. And uh, it's funny because he actually, my ex was able to, my parents don't speak well English don't speak english well but they they try to communicate and so that's right. one thing i did appreciate about him one of the very few good few good things about him is that he actually had a conversable conversation with my parents one time in their in their broken english and then him trying to understand and so like yeah. that really touched me to me like that he made that effort like he actually tried he actually tried and it's funny because my ex he's mexican and he his spanish isn't that great and so he's always been uh, embarrassed and shy and all right. that you know for all for those reasons and i get it and one of the biggest things to me is like i guess i would love it if you can speak spanish to my parents and like be with a partner like that but um i was like just some sort of communication and it actually really bothered me how he didn't communicate with my mm -hmm. parents um and and i get it now because I understand uh, being embarrassed of like your broken Spanish or whatever, like, and just because of constantly being made fun of and stuff like that, like I get it, but it was really difficult to um, like have him around my parents and him knowing Spanish and not making the effort. 
to speak yeah, it. Cause that was that was a little bit rough. So I was just like, oh, that was like, funny. It's like you have the possibility of, but you would rather not. Yeah, and like I told him how much it meant to me, and later on he was like, oh yeah, I I did want to try. I just you know felt embarrassed. Like I understand that, but like it, it's to. if you wanted to, you would have. It's you significant. Know. I understand. So basically, I'm just trying to relate to you. It's like that significance of being able to speak with parents. Like like it matters. It, it's and, it very important. Yeah, and it does and, matter. Well, because it, it starts a relationship of the bond. Yeah, you know, they instantly started talking to you know to each other in Spanish, and my heart was like, this is beautiful. Yeah. My mom is able to communicate with the man I'm going to, you know, like marry, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it was just nice to know that if anything were to happen, that they would have each other to talk to, you know? Yeah. And it, it really does fucking matter if you don't think so. Okay, cool. You know, you do you, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> it matters to me because that's my mom, you know, and that's, that's who I have. Yeah. I love that. Oh, um, a little bit more in terms of. Anything else, like in terms of your culture, is kind of integrating together in the household, or has it seems like it's been a, been a pretty smooth transition? Not too many differences, or are there any differences between you guys that that are like I don't know versus like a calling birote bolio or something like that? Um, Some things that are just funny yes. or something. <laughs> so, so we do we don't clash on this, um, but my mom is still kind of on set terms of the man does everything. Mm. If I come to her with a problem, she goes, oh, well, Jesus needs to pay for this and this. I'm like, well, Jesus don't got shit responsibility with me, first of all, because, you know, if I'm not asking, you know, you, for example, if it's a money issue, I'm not asking you for money. Why would I ask him for money? Yeah. You know? And that's kind of where we all three kind of go back and forth where he feels like he shouldn't have to have my mom's pressure on his back. Mm-hmm. Um, because of the way she grew up, because of the way that she had her men take care of her and everything, you know? And it's like, well, you have to realize nowadays that, one, shit's expensive. Mm-hmm. Two, you can't live on your own. So I wouldn't make him suffer through that anyway. And it's it's not possible because it's, it's unfair is, is what I feel. You know, why have him pay rent um, for the both of us? Then I feel obligated to cook for you every night, you know? And it's, it's that part that, you know, I'm sure he wouldn't mind paying for the rent if I needed him to. Mm-hmm. But if I don't, if I'm able to help, why can't I? Yeah. I feel like that's more of a partnership that I'm looking for rather than someone to take care of me. And that's where she's like, no, but, and you know, and she she would always call me Americanized because I would always go by the 50-50. Wow. Yes. I, she's like, you have to stop being American and, and choosing the 50-50. The man has to pay more than the woman. Um, he has to pay for when you go out to eat and, and this and this. You know, I love my mother, mm-hmm. but this is not the way I see things. Yeah. And I stand by that. And she can get frustrated. And, you know, we have a, an understanding and a beautiful relationship now. But when I was trying to stand up to her and provide my feelings... Um, she was still stuck on the, I'm mom, you respect mom, you shut up when mom's talking. And to this day, I still think about that, but fuck, you know, I'm 22. I'm literally out of your house. I have the right to say what I fucking want at this point, you know? (laughs) It's like, yes, when I'm under your roof, you can call it disrespect all you want, no matter what it is. But I'm in my own house now. I'm a big girl. I need my own money. <laughs> I, I, you know, I do my own things without your support. I, I'm human, and you deserve to hear what I feel. You know, after that whole like, conversation and point of our relationship, the more I talk to her about things, 
she's she's now like interpreting like okay you're gonna do it still here and there should be like well have Jesus do it he's your boyfriend what is he there for yeah but it's like yo <laughs> I'm not just using him mm-hmm. for my benefit it's it's a partnership yeah so I would say that's probably the biggest hiccup between our cultures is that my mom wanted him to be you know that the man of the household yeah. and where I would be the woman of the household and it's like yeah but I don't like to see it that way and you know she's learned to love him to this day she'll be like hey like i I really hope you guys um like don't leave each other i I really like this kid he's a good man for you and you know through the thick and thin of of her wanting him to be this you know whoever she envisions she loves him Mm -hmm. and and that's what i appreciate is that she genuinely likes you know my boyfriend for me And, and that was not the story with the ex she hated him hated him she always wanted to have a conversation with him just to talk mm-hmm. because of the god knows whatever because mm-hmm. his you know his views on having life were different whereas for us it's like our mom is almost just about everything mm-hmm. in life you know mm-hmm. she is like the top but you know, the mother is the life she gave birth to you she gave you life she took care of you she did everything um but if you were to compare that to like non-cultural people their relationship with their mothers aren't alike if you were to compare a hispanic you know relationship between a child and their mother it's like you know held holy pretty much i have a little side story with that so (laughs) at work there was this uh, young she was underage um I remember because she couldn't sign the paperwork and her mother was there and she seemed really nice and I, they go into a room um, doctor comes back and it's like that kid was totally yelling at at their at their mom oh like Jesus. just yelling at their mom blaming her for the state of their pet's condition this and that I was like and I just you speaking how you were talking like reminded me of of that and how like I can think of like the most angry I've ever been at my mother and maybe I find myself in that situation where like I'm yelling at her mm-hmm. um, but on 99% of the time no I walk away from my mom and my mom knows this now yeah is that when I'm so out of like all her children, she'll like you know she vents a lot to me. We we have that relationship and it's awesome. And she'll call me and vent to me about my other siblings <laughs> because she wants to go off about them, but not to them to yeah. fuck up you know their building relationship. So I I am you know I'll be driving from work I'm on the phone with my mom and she's like blowing her fucking brains out because <laughs> she's so mad at my sister or so mad at my brother yeah. over the stupidest shit to be completely honest with you and i'll be like mom why are you tripping like there everybody is out of your house you haven't had any alone time for 33 years of your life so that's that's how old my oldest sister is um on my mama's side I'm like, go live your life. Forget about us. <laughs> Stop it. And I've, I've had to implement this on her so much mm-hmm. to the point where she's like, okay, yeah, why do I care? Yeah. Why do I have to care? And, uh, you know, it's awesome for her. 
for her to finally start making her own life but she's still like that hispanic mom where it's like i need to know what's going on are you in trouble do you need financial help do you need me to come help you you know and, and kind of that over, over um over i guess i should call it the normal typical latin mother as we know it. As we know it. As we know it. We know but it. if you were to put that into a, a non-cultural, you know, situation, it's like my mom's up my ass. My mom is trying to control me. She's telling me what to do. And then, the, you know, it often, more often than not, the, the kid starts building up this hatred and, and, you know, anger towards their mom. Because to them, it's like their mom is overbearing. But we're so used to it because it's mom. Yeah, and then in turn, I I think there was this one time at work as well, same situation. They were signing the paperwork because I think it was um I, I was triaging it, whatever, and you know on the paperwork where it says um you can uh, authorize so long yeah authorize, authorize emergency treatment yep yep yeah. or to this limited amount yeah. Um, the kid had the option and told the mom what to do and the kid and the mom, you know, like it, You can see this from different perspectives You can see it from the mom saying hey, this is your pet make your decision on what you want to do mm-hmm. Or you can see it as the kid is just telling their mom like you're paying for all of this for my pet to be healthy again So there's there's multiple perspectives to this one and I've had different angles of it mm-hmm. Every time I think about it. I think differently of it Mm-hmm. So the first time I was like, oh, you know, um, this mom is giving their kid the option instead of being like, no, that's too expensive. Let your you know pet die. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like you're actually giving the kid the, the um, sense of being independent and being able to make their own decision. But it's also like, but I, I don't know at home life. So mm-hmm. maybe they're really structured and they have a, you know, relationship. But there's also the side of your mom letting you do whatever you want to do. Despite it, maybe the, you know, maybe the pet needed surgery and it was like, Jesus, $10,000. Is the mom going to sign off on it now because the kid said, hey, save my pet? Or do you think that she might want to see the price? And then, you know, it, it was it was that type of situation yeah. where it's like, hmm. Excuse me. <laughs> A little angry face. Mm-hmm. Anything else that you want to add on top of that? The respect levels? Whatever you want to add. <laughs> if you want to talk about respect levels, it's... I feel like um, Hispanics are... can't. They can be disrespectful, but I feel like a grand majority of the time they're really respectful towards their family mm-hmm. um, rather than... On the other side of things, they're very not respectful. And I mean, in our language, we literally have usted. Yeah. A formal way to say you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just wild to me to see kids act out at Walmart with their moms. I would beat your ass, bro. <laughs> like, the mom and me would beat your ass, and you would never talk to me like that again. You know? And yes, yeah. that's, that's, you know, but... <laughs> It, it's our way of thinking because of our parents. Yes. How they used to be. So that kind be of. Like, damn, my mom would slap the shit out of yeah. me. You know? You're, you're, that she was, would punish you in that sense. That was way. the 
that was just how we grew up. Whether yep. you know whether you think it's right or wrong, that is just what happened yep. for majority of kids. Yep. And our parents had it way worse. <laughs> yep. And that's I feel like oh, I love my sister to death, but she has let go of. <laughs> the cultural way of disciplining her son. In what ways? Her son talks back. Her son does whatever the fuck he wants. Her son is, you know, just a spoiled brat. Definition of a spoiled brat. But when my mom's like, you know, if he does something or talks back or, you know, is disrespectful in any manner, my mom's like, bro, like, whoop his ass. No, I don't want to whoop his ass because that's how you raised me and I don't want to be abusive. And and people nowadays are going to say I'm beating him, you know. Yeah. And, And that's where I feel like my sister really fights with the cultural way of things is that she doesn't know whether to raise him how we were all raised. Or if she's trying to find a new way of raising him. It looks. It seems like she's trying to find that balance. Like our parents raised, our parents raised us a little bit differently than their parents raised them. Oh, definitely. And so, I I, I get that because my sister also raises her kids differently than my parents raised us. It's not in the same way at all. But at the same time, I feel like kind of our generation kids or like you know people who have kids uh, who grew up with like parents like us they're trying to find that balance of just just like (laughs) yes but disciplining them in a an appropriate way and i think i can't form like or give my full opinion on like i have no idea how it i mean it would I don't know how I would go about it, and like I, there's not much I can say in terms of like spank your kids, don't spank your kids. I have no say in that. Um, right. And I forgot I was going with this, but it's okay. <laughs> also, I'm gonna pause this because I realized that this caffeine is um oh caffeine. I always forget to mention it. It's um it's in Tacoma. It's called Dancing Goats. <laughs> Dance yeah, it's called Dancing Goats, and it's actually really fucking good. We're talking about parents and parenting and stuff. Do you yeah? Is there anything else that you wanted to add to that? Um. I feel like as children that were raised by Hispanic parents, we think a lot of the ways that we were raised with were normal. So like being yelled at for (laughs) things that we did either unintentionally or intentionally that were wrong. Yeah. Um, Now growing up and knowing what what a proper response would be to that it categorizes it as like a emotional outburst you know and in that moment emotions weren't assessed so they were just yelling you know yelling at you mm-hmm. because they didn't know what they were upset or they didn't control their upsetness they weren't like you know oh it's it's okay they don't worry about it no it's like why would you do that why did you even think that was okay you know and then that puts you into this like thought of like later growing up where you're like needing reassurance because you don't know if you did something right you know what i mean yeah so it's, it's a lot of um like with the parenting it's it's like even to this day daily i will recognize that i'm responding to something in a way that i would have because i was used to it 
It's like if I controlled myself, if I took one more second to breathe, would I still feel that emotion or would it go away? So my, my trauma responses are active every day. As a younger child and my mother wanting to associate with what she thought were um, more, not pure people, but nicer people, people you could trust, she would often go to the church mm -hmm. because that's where she felt people were going to be more um, honest or more trustworthy. So we were, I, I wouldn't say uh, forced to go to church, never really felt like forced to do anything it was more like okay we're doing this let's go do it mm -hmm. you know um then we started developing you know relationships with uh, with god right and to this day i don't share a different lifestyle of of being religious but i, I can go to church um just because I, I feel like there's, you know, too many things regarding church. If you need to go to church or you go to church, you go to heaven or, you know, it's, it's the only way to clear your sins mm -hmm. or, you know, you have to be grateful. It's like, why, why can't I, you know, do that at home? Why do I have yeah. to be in a building that you consider, quote unquote, holy for me to, you know, have a good way of living, for me to have a relationship with God. Like, who the fuck are you? I, I have a story <laughs> with that. So when I started becoming not religious, at first it was me more becoming, like, agnostic because I was questioning a lot of things about the religious church. Right. Like, I grew up going to church. Again, I didn't, like you, I didn't feel like it was forced when I was younger. I was just going. Yeah. Um, do you remember, like, not an altar boy, but, like, the, like, the, the girls that would we would put on this like red little coat and so whenever we were doing okay. like the handshake los saludos mm -hmm. me and a whole bunch of other girls would like go ahead and, and sh go down the aisle and you know shake people's hands and then we'd go up there walk up there when they were the priest was in the back and walking up to the front whatever anyways I participated in that for a long time the reason being is because I didn't have to sit next to my dad <laughs> and so I was able to have a little more freedom and not and now it not makes sense still. <laughs> yeah now it makes sense having ADHD and like realizing it, it realizing yeah like I would get in trouble with my dad because I couldn't see still because it did not interest me kind of thing yeah yeah and yeah. so um then after that like I did my confirmation like at 12 years old I did mine super early I had no idea what the fuck I was doing I was just like okay this is just another part of yeah the thing that I have to do my parents are telling me I have to do this so I mean I'm, I I'm gonna go baptized. do it my other siblings did but I didn't really yeah I went through the whole spiel Nope. And my, all my brother that. still has to do his confirmation, and so does my sister, but I was never baptized. Interesting. Yeah. My mom wanted to, but she found out that the woman she wanted to baptize me with had an awkward relationship with my father, so... Okay. <laughs> uh. So my mom was like, fuck you! <laughs> I can't believe you know she almost made like had her as my madrina. Oh no! And so like the whole story kind of just it just plummeted and and I was never baptized. Okay. Um, <laughs> I remember. Oh my god, it was the scariest thing going up to my dad, being like, <laughs> yeah. and going up to my dad and being like, I don't want to go to church. He's like, What do you mean you don't want to go to church? I was like, I, I don't want to go to church. And he's like, why? He's like, I just don't. And I, I didn't want to tell him that I, that I was like feeling like I didn't believe in God or whatever. But it was kind of, I, I said it in the best way that I could without really like affecting him. Right. And it was, um, I 
I don't think that I need to go to a certain location in order for me to believe in God or praise God and stuff like that. So I was like, I just don't feel like that's necessary. Right. And um, that caused a big issue with my dad. Like, it caused a big issue so you didn't with see him. It the way you saw it. No, because religion is everything to him. And I, and I get it. Religion has a, a special place in his heart because it, it really helped him through tough times. And I get that. And as a teenager, I just didn't know how to tell him that something that you believe in so strongly, I, I don't. Right, and because you're different. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm different. And I just, I was also going through um, severe depression at the time. And, and my mindset was like, how how can this God that you say exists is all this almighty, powerful and loving? Why is it doing this to me? Why is it causing these problems with my family? Right. So that was the hardest part for me. And I was like, I just don't understand it. And so that's why I started questioning a lot of things. And to this point, like I consider myself atheist. I don't I'm very I just I don't I'm not opposed to believing in God. I just am a very um, scientific based person. Right. So it's like if something were to happen and I'm like, all right, cool, you're legit, then okay, I'll admit I'm wrong or, you know, all these things. But right. um, but yeah, this is a conversation that I don't have with my parents. Oh, um, when I went to Mexico last year, my I have an aunt who's a nun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> legit a fucking nun. And um she comes up to me she's like hey the father's over there if you want to um because we had the father come to um my grandma my grandma passed away so we had the father okay. come to our, our, do a little service at our uh, my grandma's yeah. and my aunt goes hey the father's there if you want to you know do a confession and i was like no thank you she's like on the leve the secret i feel weird about that and i'm like I no thank you not. i'm okay and <laughs> um and then she kept pushing on it and I was like, and I was like, I'm not saying anything because you are my aunt. But I was about to get to a point where I was like, I don't believe in God. I wouldn't take my no and accept and it, it and just drop it. And I was, I was like a, a 30 seconds away from being like, I'm not religious. I don't believe in God. Right. And I don't want to get to that point because I know how it would affect them. Like that's just a conversation that I don't want to get into. When it comes to religion and my family members, if I know they're religious, I just. I don't go into it. it. I I uh, don't really voice my opinion as much because it's like it's not a conversation that I want to get into because there's no winning with that. I mean, and you're being kind. And I guess by <laughs> not bringing that up, you know. And there's other people that wouldn't give a fuck, you know. And then, and it would probably, you know, cause a whole like family, you know, tuffle or something. Shush about. Oh, your daughter doesn't believe in this and this, and this. it's just ugh, it's drama for no reason. Yeah. Wait, so do you, are you are you still religious, or do you consider yourself religious? I do consider myself religious. Um, I you know uh, uh, before everything and anything though, there's still a God and one God. So even with me being religious, um, in the religion that I'm in. God is still number one, if that makes sense. The religion that you're in, do you mind if I ask? It's it's called um, Santeria. It's a Afro-Cuban oh, religion. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so it's like an altar okay, yeah. of you know these different deities that you believe in. So it it's essentially a branch off of like. Isn't it more who, spiritual? Yes. Okay. It's, it's a lot more spiritual and more like intuition mm-hmm. type of thing. Um, more and more of uh, like spirit guides and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. 
Um, but a lot of the like um, same deities. So I, I don't know if you know about the El Niño de Atoche. No, no. Teach me. Um, I don't know his full story, uh, but he's a a kid, and I oh golly, you're gonna have to look it up because I'm gonna butcher the shit out of okay, it. Okay, but What's I it do know again? that El Niño de Atoche. El Niño de Atoche. Okay. You know Santa Barbara. Sort of, kind of. No. So, like, all these statues, literally, if you were to walk into a Mexican store, you would see all these statues. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, the exact same energy of that, you know, statue or, or um, uh, example of who it is is the same thing that, that essentially my, my religion believes in. Okay. So, it's the same energy, the same concept, just named differently. Mm-hmm. And that's how I feel like all religions are, is that they're all the same, just interpreted differently. I get that. So I, I, I've had moments where I've, you know, unfortunately questioned my religion because it's like, you know, the same thing, you know, life happens, shit happens. Why do bad things happen if this, if I'm so good, if I'm, you know, if I'm praying, if I'm asking for forgiveness, if I'm, you know, surrendering surrendering myself essentially right um and every time i question something happens to kind of prove me wrong into being like oh shit like you know they're on my side you know bad things happen for good reasons Mm -hmm. you know um that whole thing of like if something bad were to happen there's something better on its way but I, I feel like you can believe that without religion. Yeah. You know? I don't know. I, I feel like the whole religion thing is, is despite me being in one and believing in one, overhyped. It's like, why do we have to, you know? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, the thing with the religion is, I'm not hating on religion. I just, the extremists is just the... It's ridiculous. It's, I, it's, that's, oh, that's my problem. I understand what people have religion i understand how that can be such an anchor for them for um grounding themselves finding themselves um having hope and faith and all this like i get it um and i I guess over and i've always wanted to kind of like i can find like a spiritual religion that like suits me i looked into it i i just that's just who i am and i can't find one i think it's really fascinating when other people can like kind of show me their their religion that in a in a very like co- open conversational kind of way because I'm yeah. like I'm curious to know teach me especially because I don't really know much about Santerias uh, so I'm like yeah let's learn a little a bit about it, about it is, and stuff mainly sacred um, it's it's a sacred religion because unfortunately because people don't do their research and they want to believe whatever people say. <laughs> more looked at as um voodoo okay hold up i just want to say that christine totally just threw a chunk there it's the power thing to do it's the, it, yeah it's the only <laughs> thing to do you gotta throw the chunk nothing else but the chunk yeah. <laughs> they fly across my house consistently are you even latina if you don't fling the chunk across the room at least one time at yes. least once a day <laughs> Oh, because it's very frequently, um, yes, compared to voodoo. Yeah. Um, so when you tell people what it is and, and that you do like spiritual cleanings or you do banyos where you boil herbs into, uh, and you, you know, you put the uh, energy and thought into 
while I'm burning, you know, boiling these herbs, it's meant to spiritually clean your aura or, mm-hmm. and do all that. People are like, oh, that's voodoo. It's like, no. <laughs> Even then, I still feel like, I mean, voodoo, voodoo scares me. I'm not going to lie. Because, you know, propaganda as this negative, nasty thing. Mm-hmm. You know, on TV or on movies where it's like, you know, something demonish is happening. I'm sure if we were to take the time and look into it, it's it's really not that bad. It's it's definitely from the little that I know about voodoo, it's definitely the over sensationalized in a lot of bad ways in media. Yep. It's so. like the the whole thing with witches. It's like, well if you're a you know, a witch then you know, that whole history of being burned and alive and yeah. shit. And, and like, a lot of people are being <laughs> like, Yeah, I'm a I consider myself a witch and like like they're I don't know what it's called, but they practice their thing. Right, their witchcraft, their you know, their rituals. Yeah, their practices, their their everything. You know, I don't know the whole religion thing. It's just like <laughs> you believe in what you believe. If you don't, then cool. You do you. I do me. Yeah. Um, but it's it's when people are just overly active in it. Do you have any religious trauma from growing up Catholic, right? Um, I don't think so. Ways that relig- growing up religious, the way that it, it affected you as a kid, or I mean, it affected you now as an adult. Like, one of the things that I, I say that I never realized are confessionals. Like, the anxiety of having to tell this random stranger. Oh, no, that's your- weird to me. Yeah, did you um, ever I, have to do that? I did not ever have to do that. If I did, I probably blocked it out of my memory. I mean, you're so lucky. Because the only times that I, I like vividly remember going to the church is literally just going in and being old enough to get like a cracker and some of the wine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. That's that's all the only thing I remember and getting on my knees with everybody else to pray. Wait, you mean you would take la, la hostia? The, mm-hmm. That's so interesting because... The, I mean, this is how I know it of. You have to go to be, like, up to date on your confessionals and stuff like that to yep. take it. I think you have to be – have your communion to take it. I'm Well, then they were doing shit wrong because yeah. – I mean, I don't – I mean, I swear that's just from what I, I mean, know. I mean, I have zero <laughs> doubts, you know. Oh, wow. But, like – Exactly. So you see what I mean? It's like nobody confirmed with me in anything. Mm-hmm. I was just this kid in line getting my stuff, walking away, and, and then, you know, everybody gets down on their knees and you pray and you have to – I don't know. I It just – it feels weird. It is know? fucking weird. Like why Why do I – And that I'm aware what? of it's the only religion where you tell your – this person, this priest. I would never. I'm sorry. You're so human. You're carrying <laughs> my information around. Like who, who's here to say that you're not a pichichismoso? You know what I mean? Yeah. Outside of here in your clothes, what gives me the, the security in knowing that you're not telling other people my information now? Like, hey, I had this girl – confess this that she did this and this and this mm-hmm. and that shit crazy like mm-hmm. shut up <laughs> i told you that with like <laughs> confianza like <laughs> rude <laughs> they're not supposed to say this even to like law enforcement people but at the same time i don't know you're still telling someone your secrets your thoughts your mistakes that you're trying to learn from and it's being considered a sin right it, I'm, I'm i think sorry. I thought it, it fucks, was a learning lesson it fucks with your with me it really gave me anxiety in the terms of like 
oh my god, I did something wrong. Oh my god, like I'm you're gonna get punished. you're gonna get punished, whatever. And it's like it's now not even looking, you know getting having someone look down upon you. Yeah, yes, and it's not like something. It wouldn't be even something big. It would be something like I swore at my parents mm-hmm. or I. I don't know something else <laughs> i gluttony or whatever right. i binge this because why not kind of thing or whatever so yeah. i don't know i low-key feel like it's silly yeah no i think so too it's just like i don't was it meant to make you feel better was it like to get it off your chest was that's it? what i said yeah i guess I, so some people i guess it's like venting and stuff like that but but shit write it down on a piece of paper and burn that <laughs> shit like there you go let it go you know there's other things you can do but i feel like in, in you know in in that case you're implanted with the thought of if i do that i'm going to feel better it'll save you from going to hell right because yeah. hell is Who's the worst say, thing i mean you know just live your life one of the problems that i had with the catholic religion is if you murder someone if you take someone's life away you can still go to heaven but if you take your own life there's absolutely no chance like that to me never sat right with me especially because kind of diving a little bit into mental health like being and suffering through the mental illness that I did when I was kids, like that just didn't sit right with me. And like, it's extreme. It's it, like, it, damn. It, it is. It's like for someone to <clears throat> to have suicidal ideations and not even to mention the fact actually like completing suicide, it's mm-hmm. those feelings and emotions. And because of that, like if someone can be feeling like that and they're not, and they go to hell versus someone who took someone's life whether purposefully or not right. like i don't know it's just that stuff never sat right with me it, 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 it oh, never well, did it's just it, you know it's like again like who are you to say that mm-hmm. you know have, have you tried it you know have <laughs> you attempted this and that's why you're you know believing that so much it's like i don't i don't think people know the rabbit hole of depression until they do that rabbit hole mm-hmm. It's a nasty one. Speaking know. of that, um, let's dive into to mental illness. <laughs> oh, she's a bad bitch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, it's a love-hate relationship. Oh, my um, God. It's daily. Yeah. Some days you wake up with it. Some days you're great. It could take it as little as a slight voice change in someone to trigger something sometimes. Yeah. How was how was that experience with you um, growing up and having to deal with with mental illness? Like I was when did you told I was I, I was more mature than I should be? I Wait, hold up! You no no no! You started <laughs> you started young because six years old, your parents got divorced. That fucks with your that really oh, it uh, messed with, me with you. So like, like, I was a bad kid. Um, back then, they had a system of like the pink cards and green cards mm-hmm. and whatever. And I would get several pink cards, meaning I was in trouble consistently because mm-hmm. I was acting out. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to control my emotions. That hey, I no longer have a dad. Mm-hmm. You know, my mom is consistently at work. I barely get to see her because she's working so hard trying to support three fucking kids. Mm-hmm. And I spiraled. I didn't know how to control my emotions. I was impulsive. I was aggressive with my behavior. I was um, disrespectful. 
I, I, I took a nasty turn and I had nobody to correct me because mom was at work trying to support us and my siblings, you know, had their own battles. Mm -hmm. They didn't have fathers. Um, they were getting into <laughs> gangs, into drugs, into, you know, other shit. So they have their own life. Mm -hmm. So as a kid, you start to self-soothe in the ways that you can. can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I part that really affects me now and, and now that I'm thinking about it was my self-soothing was being alone having quiet and peace mm. and I use that to this day if I have anybody in my house besides the dogs I feel like I'm being suffocated I'm sorry no 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 I'm you're suffocating you you're perfectly fine <laughs> we pre-planned this yeah, I, yeah. I, you mentally I, prepared yourself yes I pre-gamed <laughs> So, but like, you know, and it, it hops into my, my daily life with Jesus. We're like, sometimes when he's, even with him being in the house, I feel like I can't mm -hmm. do things. I, I need to clean the house. I'm sorry. I need you to leave, you yeah. know? And, and, um, a lot of the time when I was a kid, my way of self-soothing, self-soothing, Jesus, was to be outside in my yard mm -hmm. because the family was in so like inside they were in their rooms they were playing games they were doing this they were taking care of their own baby but i was outside alone mm -hmm. you know i had imaginary friends i made imaginary lives and um it, it really affected me not having my dad there and having to be my own self-soother and my mom tried. You can't get mad at her for, for doing what she could. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, I started slacking in school. So my grades started going down. I was no longer listening to the teachers. I wasn't comprehending things. I was in what grade? Third or fourth grade reading at like a first, second grade level. Because my mind was so like just consumed by... I don't have a dad. My dad ditched me. My dad didn't pick me up from McDonald's when he said he would. My dad is gone. Mm -hmm. He's vanished. I know nothing of him now. And seeing the abuse, like I, I experienced the police fucking busting through the front door no. to get my dad in cuffs. Wow. And being hauled as I'm trying to run to get my dad by my siblings. Because earlier, you know, in that day, I had gone with my mom to the police station. I'm a kid. I don't know what the fuck is going on. Yeah. I just know, hey, we're at the courthouse. Cool. Hi, mom. You know, not knowing what the fuck is going on. Yeah. And then later to experience that mm -hmm. was shocking. It was like being, you know, held down while I have something being taken away from me. Yeah. That made me pissed. Yeah. So I treated my mom like shit for the longest time. Mm-hmm. And I feel terrible for it. And I'm trying to make up for that, you know. And that's why I, I, I've built the relationship I have with her because she's my mom. And, and I did, you know, terrible by her because I was a kid and couldn't understand what was going on. You did the best you could. And that's why I'm not mad at myself because I've came to terms with that. And I used to cry myself. And I used to be like, damn, you're such an asshole to your own mom. You know, she's done nothing but want to love you. But it's like, fuck, as a kid, I, I couldn't comprehend that. Mm -hmm. You know, my, my brain wasn't big enough to understand what the fuck was happening. So the, the trauma started really young. Um, I started acting out more. So as I got older and, and was more into uh, the bad influence of things, 
Um, I would sneak out of the house. I, you know, I, I would do a lot of bad shit behind my mom's back. That she looks at me like I'm an angel. I just reality. <laughs> I just hid everything so fucking good from mm-hmm. her. That if I were to tell her now, she'd be like, "You're, you're lying, right?" <laughs> I feel like oh no, because you know she's a strict mom. I feel yeah. like you know strict parents often make the curious kids because like most, you know knows. exactly. <laughs> Exactly, and it was it was just bad. Childhood, uh, it really wasn't until high school that I started getting a grasp of like what things should feel like, how I should be, um, that I have my own voice, you know. And I I did reunite with my dad a couple times, um, within a lot of years. So from like the age of like six to eleven, I had known nothing of my father, mm-hmm. nothing. And then eleven, we ran into him at a restaurant that, wow. as a family, we always used to go to. Wow! Just so happened one to go to it, and then we saw my dad there, and I was like, "Holy shit! That's that's my dad." Was he alone? He no, he had a girlfriend at the time, or his lady friend, whatever. <laughs> um. So I, I reunited with him. I started to kind of build a relationship with him, and then slowly but surely he started ghosting me, mm. you know. And um, then we we cut off our relationship, and then I had something really traumatic happen in, I think I was 17 years old, 16, 17. No, 17. And um, I had to be reunited with my father again. And I got a better sense of who he was because I was living with him now. Mm-hmm. You know, he was my legal guardian, and I forcibly had to create this bond with him. Yeah. Um, I got to know that there is more to the story than just my mom's side. Mm-hmm. And it gave me a, a more, um, like, insight of, of who he was. And I, I feel terrible because, you know, it's like, yeah, my mom has this side, but my mom is also a lunatic. You know, I love her, but when it comes to men, you know, she's over the, a little over the top. I blinked. Where I are we? too. Um, you ran out of your father. Story. Yeah. Their divorce really fucked with me. And it wasn't up until I started becoming, like, my own person that I started recognizing everything that was going on. Mm-hmm. That there was both sides of the story between my parents and that they both had equal parts of fault. Mm-hmm. So the trauma, yeah, had started pretty young. And I, I still need therapy. Like, to this day, I know I need a therapist. I just don't have one. And I don't know if I'm making excuses if, or if I feel like I... Because I know, I know for a damn fact that I need one. But I just haven't put the time into like looking for one. I can acknowledge that I'm mentally fucked up. <laughs> like I, I know it's there. I know I have the triggers. Yeah. I just, I don't know if I'm, I'm being lazy or if I don't know if it's a big deal. I don't know. I don't La- know not last time. Um, when we were still working together, I remember, I remember you talking about how work was was bad and it was messing with your mental health and i remember saying or you saying that you were uh put on medications for the first time was it for the first time yeah yeah. okay yeah how how was 
that. I didn't take them. You didn't take them. Nope. I, I decided not I'm to. Just <laughs> you decided not to. I decided not to because I've heard too many horror stories that it made things worse. Or if you weren't like really, um, I guess proactive into like diving in. If you really wanted to heal yourself, you would you know, get on the medications and. You would find therapy and, you know, kind of go through it all. I just knew I wasn't ready to go through it all. And I don't know if it's the procrastination. Because I, I went to my doctor and, and, yeah, diagnosed with, you know, depression and, and ADHD. And, no you know, way. That too? Yes. <laughs> yes. Like, I have medications in my cabinets for all of this that I'm supposed to be taking. Yeah. But I just, I, I, I there's multiple reasons why I chose not to. Mm-hmm. Um, I think honestly the primarily one was like I just don't want to be on medications because I stopped taking birth control because I'd been on it since I was 15 mm-hmm. so I, I'm, I'm done with like toxins and, and everything so I'm actually trying to move over to like herbalism mm-hmm. and trying to maybe get that ball rolling and, and become a botanist because dope vet med is cool. <laughs> Vet, I, you you have your story with vet med. <laughs> I've only been in vet med for a year, and I'm like gross. You know, there's lovely days or worse days than others, but ultimately, it just doesn't spark my interest. I definitely would have to say that the place that we worked at fucked you over majorly, just like it fucked everyone else over. That's a story for an undifferent podcast, <laughs> and I'm willing to testify. I'll testify. <laughs> Fucking bitches. <laughs> okay. Anyways, um, you're not the first person, and I don't think you're gonna be the last person to say that medication. You're scared to take it and all that. Um, Petrified. I did not realize how many people. I knew that people thought like that, but I guess I didn't also fully realize because the first time I took medication, I was 16. So oh, wow. I think it was before I had an opinion on it. So I guess that's why I had no hesitation in trying it. Right. But I have been through my trial and errors. I've been in over, in, ter- in terms of ad- antidepressants or to help me with, with depression, I've been on like five medications. Oh, I've tried different five. Oh, um, wow. It's not fun when you do have the bad ones. So I understand why people are afraid of it because mm-hmm. I remember there was this one that I was the shortest amount of time on because it gave me some bad thoughts. My mind would not stop racing like it was really bad. Um, mm. And so I, I understand the hesitation, but I, <clears throat> around the time after you had left, I was already on medications, but then I went to my psychiatrist and like, I'm worse help i remember these conversations <laughs> yeah so i would and, come in at like six and you'd be on your way out and you would we'd talk yeah like we would talk for a little bit yeah and you dip and um yeah i she bumped up up 50 milligrams i was like yeah i still feel like i don't i don't know i don't care whatever i don't feel anything bumped it up to 200 milligrams and then I was like still feeling shitty. Don't really care yeah. about stuff. Um, I was very neutral with a lot of things. Just very like I don't go fuck. Like you didn't care. I didn't numb. No. Yeah, I was very very numb. Mm-hmm. And right around this time, I had started taking Adderall actually, so that really ended up helping. But then they also added um, another medication on top of that, and then slowly I started to come out of it and I started feeling a little bit more. I started becoming aware 
oh shit, I was depressed for the past like four or five months and I did not realize how significantly depressed I was and how it was affecting me at work. I, I The actual realization hit me. So to me, while I've had my bad experiences with medications, it's also helped me a lot. And I think this just kind of has to go with my more sciencey background is I I understand how these things can work and I guess that's why I am more leaning towards okay with taking medications because I have a better understanding than most not I mean that's not like I'm a pharmacist or anything but like I understand a little bit of how it works and why right. it would work for me like right, right. now Adderall I cannot be without it like I cannot I can't do anything at least in this society like the time that I plan to go to Mexico I don't think I'm gonna take any at all with me or like I'm not gonna be on it because I was like I don't need to focus on that many things at it's all. It's just so hard nowadays, you know. Like Here from my standpoint, in the U.S. Yep, things are um, rough. You're, you're yeah. consistently thinking about what you need to do next, or it's oh, it, it's just it's created such a nasty world that you live in your head. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is like my. I my way of self soothing is self soothing is um by smoking mm-hmm. right. There are still moments, random moments, random days where, um, for example, I, I'll have a conversation with my mom, and then, you know, I'm in my head, I'm living in my head, so I'm like, mm-hmm, yeah, you know, and, mm-hmm. and giving dead responses, and then later while I'm cleaning or something, going through that conversation again. I'll respond to her, but I'm responding in my head, yeah. so I'm not really having that conversation with my mom. Yeah. And in, in those moments is when I realize that, damn, I'm not living in the moment. Like, I do not live in the moment. I live consistently in my head or in the past or or this or that. You know, I'm, I'm diving in headfirst on bills and not thinking. and I'm not enjoying life. Mm-hmm. But when I'm elsewhere, like, you know, how you're saying when you go to Mexico... When I'm in Panama, I have zero thoughts of, of anything, you know. I'm living, I love the sun, I'm eating fruits, I'm doing what I what I love. You're happy. Yes. <laughs> so it's like I, I think that's why I'm like, let's go to another country. Like fuck everything, let's go. Yeah. But then I think about like my dogs. I'm like, damn, they can't fly anywhere with me because they'll probably die. Because they're brachycephalics. <laughs> a little side fact for those of you that don't that don't know, um, brachycephalics or anything with smushed faces, pugs, Frenchies, bulldogs. Christine has bulldogs um, flying in airplanes underneath them. Bad, 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 bad. Yeah. Death may occur. <clears throat> so there's that. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. So I can't just pack up my shit and go. I have to think about them. So it's like, so my next process is. Unless you do a road trip. That's what I was thinking Ooh. is driving across <laughs> and going to the next place. But it's like, now you have to, you know, file for a visa. And, you know, at that point you would have to look into it and see what kind of visa. Is it going to be a working visa or, you know, how long do you have to redo your visas? And it's just a whole process. Mm-hmm. I bet you it's easier than the U.S. I mean, yeah. 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 We were initially going to move over to Nevada in, in December. Mm-hmm. Um, this past December or coming? And this coming December, but that shit ain't happening with the way, you know, money goes. Mm-hmm. Gas prices is Oh, right. High, you did say that. Yeah. yeah. I bought them dog food. It was up by $5 from February. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not complaining because I understand, you know, money goes up, but it's like, 
it's so hard to not stress about things that you need to pay yeah you know revolves around here as, as money work for this oh you're being lazy go get a job it's like dude we can't afford to do shit anyway yeah you know and, and it's whole you know the boomer thing of we're being lazy because we're we're complaining about working it's like bro i work a 12-hour shift and i still barely make it alive you know out of there have to go back tomorrow I still can't afford to live what are you talking about <laughs> yeah i what can we do move to a different country and um <laughs> disappear <laughs> not live in the hustle bustle of the american life i remember making a <laughs> having a essay in junior year of high school of what the american um dream is mm-hmm. and i remember writing it upon a big beautiful house with mm. nice cars you know um trees around the house no stress you know and and that's what i wrote my paper you know upon because yeah. i feel like that's what everybody you know comes here to do ask anybody what are you here for to make a better life yeah it's like damn near impossible though you know especially now where everybody's you know and you know i i give credit to everybody who's building their small businesses you know, I'm happy for you. Keep going. I am sure they're dying, though, because <laughs> prices for everything. Everybody's protesting. Like, have you seen um, what's going on with Alaska Airlines and their pilots? There is a uh, pilot no. shortage. Oh, I'm flying Alaska in a couple weeks. <laughs> I, I, I will look into it. They, they protested and they're, they canceled flights and everything because they don't have fucking pilots. As much as it sucks to hear, because I've been hearing, um, like yesterday at work, I, so I know I do relief, so I'm not always at the same hospital. So yesterday, someone had told me that like three people had quit, and three people's a lot when you're in a general practice hospital. Three people is a lot, and a lot. and while it also I was being told because of like <clears throat> X Y Z reasons, so I was like, okay, understandable, um, but. It kind of makes me happy when I hear people saying, oh, yeah, there's a shortage here. There's a shortage there. Because to me, it, it's like more people are getting the point that, like, we're tired of this shit. Yeah. And I, I'm waiting for things longer, but I'm also more patient mm-hmm. because I'm like, they're probably in the same boat. And honestly, good for them. At for- least, you know, they were able to put aside that they probably you know won't be making the same amount of money but they're gonna make themselves fucking happy mm-hmm. it's i don't feel like my mom my mom does this a lot where she's like get a job that's going to sustain you mm-hmm. my view is get a job that doesn't feel like a job yeah i don't want to work i want to go somewhere where i enjoy being mm-hmm. you know somewhere i that interests me mm-hmm. and and that that's- for me would be like lab stuff that's definitely like the adhd thing where it's hard no it's it's like it's hard to do something if you don't like it it's so hard hard. you do it sloppy you know there's just like no interest your worth ethic is not as great it just you don't want to be the adhd is like it's a pro and con and and that's my issue or Mm -hmm. i think my mom kind of feels to see that too so i'll be at a job for three months i'm like i'm bored 
Mm -hmm. My mom's like, you're always bored. You're never happy with what you do. Well, shit, it doesn't interest me. What do you want me to do? I'm not Mm going to spend the rest of my life here because it makes me money. I'm bored. (laughs) I actually want to go off of that um, a little bit that you mentioned your mom. How how is like mental health talked about or discussed within your family or like how is that relationship with your mother in terms of when you talk about mental health i think i'm the only one who has a stable conversation enough to have that conversation with my mom Mm. not in the sense that my other siblings are unstable but my brother does not talk about his feelings at Mm -hmm. all to any fucking buddy Mm -hmm. my sister uh, she's explosive um and not aware of how to come across with her emotions so she'll often just yell or or be very vulgar and yell Mm. My mom doesn't like that, notable reasons. But we laugh about the childhood trauma that she's caused us. We, I don't know, we don't talk about it. We just make fun of it. That's how you and talk not, about it. Yes, and not in a fucked up way like, damn, mom, you made us do this. But, like, for example, we'll, we'll be having a dinner. This this is before they had, like, moved in and left the state. And we had kind of reunited as one of our last suppers together. And um, we would bring up past memories. And, like, for example, my mom was extremely um, aggressive with my older sister because her mom was extremely aggressive with her. Her mom would throw whatever was next to her at my mom if she didn't do one dish correctly. Or if she fucked something up, she'll throw pots and pans at her. You know, she was extremely abusive to my Mm -hmm. mom. So that's the only way my mom knew how to raise her children. Mm Mm-hmm. So she started to do that with my older sister and then lessened as it got to me. But my my sister and and I would like joke around and be like, damn, you remember when mom like would put us on our knees with beans and we would just crack the fuck up and my mom would be staring at us like, are they lunatics? (laughs) And she'd be, you know, and then she would pitch in and and remember something that we would do bad and be like, do you remember when you stole this? And we're like, damn, you know, but... Our way of like coping with it was to make fun of it. Yeah. It was never a conversation. We've never sat down and been like, Mom, when you did this and this, this is how it made me feel. You know, mm-hmm. I don't I don't feel like my mom would comprehend that too well. Does your mom um does your mom know that that you have mental illness, that you have like depression and stuff? Yes and no. Um her take on it is uh, like any other doctors, you're lacking Uh, vitamin D you're lacking hormones you know you need to implement these foods to help you feel better and whatnot she sees me as very sleepy and very tired Mm -hmm. um to be quite honest with you it's probably because she sees me high and doesn't know that I'm high (laughs) so my mama doesn't know she knows my brother does it and that's it I'm maybe she does know she doesn't want to admit it to me there's been several times that I've been high and I've smelled like weed next to her and she's never confronted me about it so I have a gut feeling she knows that's probably why but she's never confronted me so oh, I won't. don't know right so she we just keep it there we just <laughs> we just hold it there uh-huh you know it's like I you may know because I'm slurring my words and I you know my eyes are red as shit <laughs> and you know she probably just wants to patch it up and be like no like my youngest wouldn't do that you know it, Deep down, I'm pretty sure she fucking knows. Yeah. But she's also a a mom who wants to call you every day and be like, how are you feeling? Mm-hmm. You know, there's been a lot of times where I've had to sit down and talk with her and be like, mom, 
I need you to understand that I need to make my own decisions. And if I need advice, I will come to you. I want to be able to come to you. Mm -hmm. But when you're calling me consistently, I, I can't come to you because you're not allowing me to. So the more that she's kind of been away from me, I've been able to express myself more. If I'm feeling sad or if I'm feeling like questionable over something or if I'm thinking about something like a new career, I'll have that conversation with her. And, and then she'll ask me, like, how are you doing? Like, are you doing okay? Have you checked up on your brother and sister? Like, mm -hmm. I, I, I feel like for me, I'm her anchor into seeing if my siblings are okay or if they need an extra help in, in any way, shape, or form. She's like, Miha, like, please check on them, you know? So I don't think she really knows how mentally... Woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> yep. How, how mentally... I guess ill I can be sometimes but she's also super um, I wouldn't say protective but she would stress about it too much if I were to be like hey mom I'm going down a rabbit hole mm. I feel like she would be the type of mom to like fly here and be like hey let's fix you up and be like no that's not what I need though you know I, I kind of have to protect her emotions over mine so I would, you know, I'd rather sit down, feel it, or unfortunately take it out or vent on, you know, to Jesus. And then that's, that's kind of where more of my mental health illness is more known is with him. Mm -hmm. um, and where he tells me, he's like, you, you need therapy. Like, you, you need to get some help. And it's like, I know I do, but I, I just don't do it. Mm -hmm. I don't want to. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's being lazy or not. <laughs> do you think the um growing up how do I say this? Think it's because it wasn't really like a thing growing up that you seem so hesitant to to pursue professional mental health? Probably. Cuz I've always self too. I I've always just like, "Hey, I got me. I you know what what is hearing something from somebody else going to help me if I can't tell myself that? One thing I wanted to, I just, I thought of, so you tend to self-soothe, you isolate yourself. I do. How was navigating that <clears throat> with Jesus and, It was you know. so hard. <laughs> Holy shit. We've been together for two years now. Mm -hmm. Um not a super long time, but we started living together really, really soon because I gave him COVID. <laughs> you <laughs> so got COVID and you gave it to him. <laughs> I, so, yeah, my sister came home. She went to, like, this group session to help her mental health. And she had co she got COVID from there and brought it to everybody in the house. So we had a quarantine together, and that's that's where us living together started. Wow. It was way too early. That's not such a love story. <laughs> I mean, we did start, you know, talking on a dating app. <laughs> so I, I was super sketched out, but everything rolled out the way it did, and it mm -hmm. was fine. But it was fine to me in the time being because I thought it was going to be temporary for him to live with us. I was like, cool, you know, my boyfriend's going to live with us. It's going to be fucking great. Mm -hmm. You know, we're best friends, and it's awesome. But as time went on and as I changed my careers... Um, so I, I used to be a, a front desk receptionist, and then I moved over to vet med, which is fucking completely different mm -hmm. in, in com every aspect of that. And um, so my stress level started to change. 
um, my, my worries started to change because um, I moved from something I was comfortable to to something that I had no idea of. Mm-hmm. And then into the environment that I moved into. Not good. No, it made everything <laughs> worse. And it actually killed my inspiration to become a technician. Mm-hmm. Like, because of this one place, I, I don't want to pursue anything vet med-wise. It's great. I love it. It's so rewarding. The people can be the sweetest fucking things on earth. But we just don't get appreciated enough to to continue in a healthy, you know, mind state. And there's so much burnout, so much, um, too much mental stimulation in this career to like really withstand it for too long. You know, I have several different varieties of like new technician friends, technicians that have been technicians for more than 18 years. You wow. know. And, and having all of your guys' intake into one is just like, ah, I'm good. <laughs> it's like, ah, you know, just like hearing like how much I've already withstood from like a year compared mm-hmm. to like, you know, three to four years compared to like 18 years compared to like, you know, 12 years. It's just like, mm, I, I wouldn't do to, you know, do this to myself. It's horrible. It's great, but the reward is not worth it. <laughs> um, I do want to talk a little bit about vet bed, just because you and I both were in it. Um, I've been in it for almost six years, Damn. and I've been licensed for half of that. And it does really, it does really mess with your mental health. If you have a pet, and next time you go to a vet's office, thank them because you, you, honestly, the amount of shit that we have to deal with you would not believe your eyes your ears like i hate going up to clients with an estimate that's over 300 dollars because people don't have pet insurance people will take it out on you people will take you out out on you tell you that you don't care about their pets all you care about is the money yes you're just gonna let my pet die all these things and it's daily it is daily and when you hear it time and time again it's not. You feel bad. It's terrible. It's so fucking terrible, especially since people are working in ER. Like mm-hmm. we see, we would see death on a daily basis, and mm-hmm. a lot of the times, traumatic. One of the most traumatic ones I actually ever saw was um, this pet that. Um, I guess trigger warning. You can probably skip over this if this is too much, um, but it was a hit by car, and when they brought him in, the owner had placed it in the carrier. And I was going to remove the blankets to give was to the owner. Was it that dachshund? Yeah. It, I remember the owner was like, no, you don't want to take those blankets off. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm like, the way that she said it, I was like, oh, it's bad. I remember I rushed over to the back. I took, I unwrapped the dog. It was, I literally saw guts. I saw his guts. Mm-hmm. And I was like. And he was breathing. And he was alive. This dog was alive still, and that is one of the worst hit by car situations that I've I've seen. Mm-hmm. Like it, it was, and that's just one. I almost fainted because of the situation. Oh, can I just say one thing? So, because I want to, I want people to understand as well, like how this can really affect mental health. So, as a licensed technician in the state of Washington, I can legally euthanize an animal. I have done that. Oh, shit. I have done that plenty of times. I actually did one recently this week. Oh, shit. So I have that. So I remember most of the ones that I've done. 
And it's crazy to me to think that I'm pushing this medication and I am stopping this animal's heart. But I don't like to think of it like that. I always try to see it that we in vet med have that beautiful ability to put an animal's pain, yep. to take it away and the yep. suffering yep. instead of having to struggle and sit there die slowly and watch them die slowly, which that it, it does happen because there are some owners which understandably have a hard time reaching to that point. Right. But any, um, yeah, so we do have that ability to end that suffering. And so that's what I always try to focus on and always remind myself is this is the best thing for this pet. And I, I think that's why I made it so far because I always yeah. try to think about the positive and <clears throat> despite being such a negative Nancy, like I, I still hold that positivity in my head somehow. Because you have to, because it, it keeps you sane. And not only that, here's the other thing. I cannot afford to go back to school if I wanted to go back to school. I cannot afford another job yeah. that would pay me the same amount that pays me now without doing XYZ Going extra things school, and and so that's the other thing again comes kind of full back into the hustle and bustle of the the u.s is like i i can't choose another career path that's just just not the smartest thing for me right now and that's just so i'm like it's not that i'm stuck because i do genuinely enjoy vet med but it's hard I, to change it, it, it's, it's hard to change directions it, it is and once you're in it's kind of like you're you're fucked yeah and and once i like you know i had i'm pretty sure i did tell you this like had i known what vet med was really like Mm -hmm. i don't know that i would have gone into this i think i would have gone a different direction and i hate saying that because this this field has brought me a lot of joy but that's just the reality of how that's also also why we're struggling though because people are now realizing even with being certified and having your license that this isn't what they wanted to do Mm -hmm. and that's why there's such a fucking shortage Mm -hmm. is because people are snapping out of him being like oh shit i can't handle this yeah it got so bad for me that this is why i'm doing relief because i i i can't tolerate doing like the almost 40 hours at, at work anymore it's it's too much for me and yeah. also because the place we were at burnt me out really, really badly. So it's like, yep. Yep. stuck but not stuck. <laughs> yep, yep. It's it's a it's a mental pull. It's it's draining in, in various ways. Like <clears throat> even just estimates for dentals, oh they God, look yeah. at you and it's like I, this money isn't going to me. I'm sorry you feel that way. You know, I I can understand. Like, would I do that? No, I'd probably have to hold off and make the money and save the money for me to even do this to my pet you mm-hmm. know and there's so many like facebook posts of people going and, and writing being like oh they just want my money they told me the procedure was six hundred dollars who has that kind of money and it's like oh shit yeah that's the reality of our field yep yelled at consistently yeah <laughs> do you have any other things that you would like to talk about relating to mental health it's a process. It's not an overnight thing. Once you have it, I feel like you just learn to to manage it and, and learn new ways to cope with it mm-hmm. and help yourself, but it never really goes away. Is there any advice that you would give your younger self? If you could, what would you say? Not care as much as what you know people are saying or, or thinking of you it's like why why do i have to care you didn't birth me you're not you know i would tell myself 
to enjoy my childhood more than what I did. Mm -hmm. Stop stressing about if you did this action, what consequence is going to come. So I feel like that carries on till now where I don't live my life because I'm too in my head. That's what I would tell myself. Stop stressing, bro. Go have fun. Be a kid. Play tag, you know? All of that ended by the age of 12. I stopped being a kid from 12. Well, one of the things I'm going to end with, I have some fun facts about Guatemala and a little bit about El Salvador. Most of this information I got from Nat Geo, so don't come at me. Um, So from Guatemala, um, the money is called a quetzal. Mm Mm-hmm. I never heard of that. I was like, the fuck? I was like, that's kind of cool. They have 30 volcanoes, and three of them are active. And then they claimed independence from Spain in 1821. So it's literally been 200 years. You're a baby. Yeah. (laughs) And then for El Salvador, there are two official languages in El Salvador. It's Spanish and then the Nahuatl. I'm so butchering that. I'm trying to get better at that, but it's the the indigenous language that oh, that we that we would have spoken had the um, Spanish not colonized us. Oh shit! Yeah, they have two national. I was like, oh my god, that's fucking amazing. I can't remember what else I was reading, but I think there's like a lot of indigenous people both in Guatemala and Salvador. But mm-hmm. yeah, no, that is it was it was really cool to read. Um, I knew that, that about Guatemala, but I again don't really know about Salvador. I, I was told I needed to travel there and. You know, I would have, like, my life change and whatnot, but it's scary. I hear the negative shit, you know, the gang stuff of El Salvador, how, like, dangerous it is. And I'm like, man, I'm not going. <laughs> I hear the thing about Mexico, too. I'm just like, I don't know. All I know is this. Yes, I know there's crime, but I've never right. really seen this extreme crime that all these people are talking about. But Right. You and know. who knows? <laughs> and then a thing that surprised me is that their <clears throat> money currency is the U.S. dollar. It said U.S. dollar. I was like, "That's okay. weird," but okay. That's that's suspicious, right? Um, but yeah, we'll all right. S- little sketch. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Alrighty. Well, then, thank you so much for listening to this episode, and yeah. Until take next care, time. hustle, <laughs> hustle or don't hustle. Do what you want. I mean, I'm not gonna be hustling. I mean, if you want to find a box, I'll help you. You know, I'll look for a box. A box? <laughs> a box to not pay these bills anymore. Oh. <laughs> Alrighty, <laughs> bye.